And now, it's time to sit back and enjoy the Two True Freaks Internet Radio Broadcast. Attention, people of Earth. Do not resist us. All who oppose us shall be annihilated. We command the most powerful army of monsters in the universe. They are sure to defeat your Earth monsters. All those who are hearing this are now under the control of the Earth Destruction Directive. 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 Hello, everyone, and welcome to Earth Destruction Directive. I am your host, as always, Mr. Luke Giaconetti. I'd like to thank everyone for downloading and listening to our show today. Hope everyone enjoyed uh, our last show, where we took a look at uh, the first of the Godzilla anime uh, trilogy from Netflix, which was Godzilla Planet of the Monsters, along with uh, an issue of Solo Avengers, featuring the Red Ronin tangling with the Winsome Wasp. But I am not alone today, as I am joined by a guest and uh, you know him as the uh, host of Box Bugs and Babes and my co-host over on the Vault of Startling Monster Horror Tales of Terror as well as Get Back to the Wrestling. You might also realize that he's my brother, uh, Mr. Jason Giaconetti. How you doing, Jay? Pretty good. Thanks for having me. Oh, yeah. You know you're always welcome here, even if your money's no good. Uh, you, have <laughs> stopped, you have stopped printing those 20s, right? You... Yeah, well, I'm going smaller. You know, <laughs> going print to out, print out $2 bills. They'll never catch me. So. Yeah, you'd be real popular with with uh, Clemson fans as they travel to the country with the two dollar bills. You know, that's a that's a thing. <laughs> but um, so today we are taking a look at the third and final of the Showa Daimajin movies from Dai. We're taking a look at Daimajin Strikes Again, also known as Wrath of Daimajin, sometimes. Um, and uh, this is we will get back we will get into that right after this quick break hello ladies and gentlemen this is Jason Giaconetti you may recognize my voice from the vault of starling monster horror tales of terror and if you don't you should be listening but today I need to ask you a few questions do you like big bugs and you cannot lie other robots just can't deny that when the queen of space walks in and puts a blast in your face that your gears get sprung are you deep in the bee we're sharing? Are you hooked and you can't stop staring? If you answered yes to any of these questions, then have I got a podcast for you. Bots, Bugs, and Babes, the B-Movie Podcast. From classics to cults and all the yummy, yummy cheese in between. Look for my new show, Bots, Bugs, and Babes, on the Two True Freaks Network and on iTunes. That's Bots, Bugs, and Babes, the B-Movie Podcast. Double J on the Triple B is your hookup. Holler if you hear me. All right, we are back here on Earth Destruction Directive. Daimajin Gyakyushu, which is literally translated as Daimajin's Counterattack, but generally known here in the West as Daimajin Strikes Again, and then released on um, home media as Wrath of Daimajin, uh, was the third Daimajin film produced by Daiyi Film, and it was the third and last of the trilogy released in Japanese theaters on December 10th, 1966. Of course, all three of the Daimajin films all released theatrically in 1966. So Dai saw so like, let's just pound these out and get them out there because they didn't waste any time with this. Um, so the credits on this film are a little unusual in that 
I've got two different sources that I often go to, and they don't agree. So the uh, I, the two sources I have IMDb and I have Wikizilla, and they they are not lining up at all. So I'm going with IMDb because that one's usually a little bit more. Uh, the director is Kazuo Mori. Uh, Mori did a lot of genre films, but not that genre. He didn't do a lot of daikaiju. Uh, but he did plenty of Chanbara. He did uh, several films with um, for uh, um, Zadoichi. Uh, he did several other Chanbara, which would be a, a samurai type film. Did a, a whole large filmography of different. Uh, this was the only, as far as I can tell, the only Daikaiju movie that he did. He didn't work on the other two. Uh, the writer is Tetsuro Yoshida, and similarly, best known for his uh, uh, his uh, Chanbara types films, Morizatoichi also wrote The Invisible Swordsman. And uh, but he actually wrote both Daimajin and Return of Daimajin before this, so he was involved with all three of these. So uh, he's a, a through line for them. He also wrote um, the uh, the. Yokai Monsters, a couple of the Yokai Monsters movies that came after this for uh, for Dai. Uh, our special effects, there's a couple of different credits, but uh, Keizo Marase is uh, generally believed to have done the majority of the effects. Now, he started out uh, doing monster sculpting. He sculpted the H-Man and Varan and did uh, special effects work on a lot of Toho films prior to this. Uh, he's credited on Gorath, King Kong vs. Godzilla, Matango, Mothra vs. Godzilla, um, Ghidorah. He was also credited as the suit maker for Gamera in the original uh, Gamera Giant Monster, and uh, then did the special effects for both Return of Daimajin and uh, Daimajin Strikes Again. And not a whole lot of special effects in this one, much like most of the Daimajin films, but uh, you know the ones, the stuff that is there is is pretty memorable. So, Jay, had you seen uh, any of the Daimajin films before this one? Yeah, I saw the, I've seen the original, the first one. Um, and then I don't remember seeing Return, um, and I'd never seen this one. I, I literally, when you told me to watch this one, I'm like, okay. Uh, I was like, which one is this? You know, there was the one with the kids. And I'm like, okay, I've never seen that one. So, um, yeah. <laughs> you know, the thing is, like, they filmed all three of these, I, like, the same time. Like, I feel like they've, like, so I wonder if they just were like, look, uh, you know, it's going to be cheaper not to have to keep bringing this back in, like redoing the sets and stuff. I wonder if that's why they filmed them all kind of back to back to back. Right. You know, kind of like they, they don't share any settings or any characters other than Daimajin either. That, right. That's no, the I'm odd saying, part. But, so it's, it's almost as if these yeah, are like standing, standing sets, right, from, from other Chanbara, and they just used them. Yeah. Well, that's what I'm saying. I wonder if they were like, look, we got the guy in the makeup. He's here. Like, let's bang these things out. You know, kind yeah. of thing like let's let's just make this one long shoot for him, and then we'll fill the movie in around it. That's possible. I mean, he really only. I mean, he's only really on maybe for what? What would you say? Maybe about uh, ten, five, ten minutes in this movie. Yeah, I mean, th that's it's. I mean, he when he's on. I mean, he he looks like it's not like he looks different. I mean, I've never seen the second one, but like in the first one and this one, he looks exactly the same. So it's not like yeah, he, he looks, looks different the same between them. all of them. Yeah, 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 he looks the same. So. I mean, to me, again, if I was talk, if I was thinking about filming something and I knew I had a limited, um, I wanted to make a series of films and I didn't have a lot of money to maybe do all that stuff. I don't have Toho money flowing around, let's say. Um, I would think maybe I might film like a bunch of stuff with like, okay, we have an idea. We want to have him fighting this. I'm going to have him fighting this. I'm fighting this and kind of film those, I, those times when he's doing that. And I'll just build the story around it, you know, yeah. mm -hmm. because 
I mean, I'm trying to remember, uh, you know, I'm trying to think like there's no, I mean, he, there's no other times. I mean, you never see him. I mean, you see the statue. You don't see, ever see anything of him. There's like this silhouette they kind of show in the storm, but there's like, like in the very beginning that he's supposed to be causing all this bad thing, but that's easily done in post. There's no other times when you would need the guy in the suit. Exactly. You know? Yeah. So mm-hmm. I kind of feel like, com- Saying, I kind of feel like it kind of feel like like it's that like full moon, uh, you know, or like Empire kind of idea. Like, look, let's get this thing filmed and let's fill in the story around it later. Let's get the stuff that we have to get done done, you know? Yeah. Or, or, yeah, let's film them back to back so that it costs, yeah. you know, we can make two movies for only slightly more than it costs us to make one movie. Exactly. Because we don't have to uh, shut the project down and restart it again, you know? Yeah. I mean, uh, it's just an idea. I, mean, I could be 100% wrong. I don't know. But, I mean, it's, it's certainly, I mean, it's, it's very, I mean, it certainly makes sense because, I mean, it's, it's never another, I mean, that Toho released two Godzilla films in, in 1964 was a fluke of scheduling because right, they released right, a right. film in 62 and then missed 63 and then did what did two in 64. They never did that. Even Dai at the height of the, you know, the Gamera series or the Yokai Wars or anything like that never released two of the same series in the same year except here. So there has to be yeah. some production reason for it. Yeah. I mean, it was April, August, December. That's what, that was the releases for these. It's like, okay. Like, it's yeah. not like you could say to me, like, okay, we put one out in January. We put one out in December where it was like almost a year between them. It's, it's like, you know, April middle of, you know, April, August, December, like you're like, boom, couple months, boom, couple months, couple months. I mean, like, you know, it's, it's, that's unprecedented for a lot of like, I mean, forget, forget even, uh, you know, kaiju kind of movies or that kaiju, whatever, like that doesn't happen anywhere. Like that's not a kind of release schedule you would ever have for any series of things um, until you would get to the point where you were maybe releasing parts of seasons, you know what I'm saying? Um, You know, where like, you know, yeah, the only other thing that would be compared to that is back in like the old Hollywood studio days, where some of the uh, some of the B series might release mm-hmm. two movies a year, or um, you think of like uh, the contract players, like Abbott and Costello would do two or three movies a year, but th- that wasn't a series per se. I mean, it was a series for Universal, but it wasn't a series of you know, it, yeah, they, they, were they had different things. They were all standalone films. They were just producing yeah, a lot yeah. of them. So. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so so let's get let's get right into our our story here. And our, our summary comes from Wikizilla. And uh, the go, our story goes a little something like this. During the winter months, a village flees the wrath of the angry god Majin, who eventually settles down. This is you were saying, we see all the storms and everyone saying, oh, Majin is angry. Majin is angry. Um, which I thought was nice because it does, it's, it's the theme between all, all three of them that Majin is this a supernatural figure, uh, a god or an idol. So the idea that he's being blamed for bad weather and natural disasters, I thought that was that was neat. They don't really do that in the other ones. Before we go any further, let me ask you one question. Okay, um, I'm, I I would assume you watched yours in Japanese with English subtitles. Yes. Okay, I tried to do that, and the thing is, I'm reading it, and the kids the, the names were too much like too very too similar for me, and I'm like, holy cow! So I actually had to turn on the English language track and i left the subtitles on just in case because the names even the angles they're, they're too close sometimes i'm like right. these a lot of names there's not a lot of steve and bob's here you know kind of thing so <laughs> uh, i'm not trying again somebody might say like oh jay you're being a jerk i'm not like i was really trying to follow but 
there's a lot of chit chat like between the kids, and I'm like, what are they there's even? There's four saying? of them too. So yeah, there's four right. of them. So they, I mean, I got four kids. It's never quiet. You know? That's what I'm saying. I was like, I can't follow this. It's not just two people <laughs> talking, and it's not like Shin Godzilla where literally it's all in an office and it's all takes place. And I'm like, okay, like this is them. There's they're just back forth, back forth. What? You know? So yeah. So sorry, I just had to throw that out there. No, no, no. It's the uh, yeah. okay. So later on, some time has passed. Uh, a woodcutter named Sampai stumbles home after escaping enslavement in Hell's Valley with the rest of the men from his village and tells the remaining villagers of his escape through Majin's Mount. Desperate to get their fathers and brothers back, three boys from the village, here you go, Jay, Suruchiki, Kinta, and Daisuku mount an expedition through Majin's Mountain to Hell's Valley. Uh, you know, the uh, it, it, there's an injustice being done. The warlord has of uh, men from the village and it's for them to work as slaves. One of them manages to escape and before he dies, tells them what's going on and so the three boys, and we find they're later joined by uh, the, the younger brother of, uh, of uh, Suruchiki's younger brother uh, Sugatatsu uh, has joined them as well. That uh, they go, so they go on the quest to go find the men and, and rescue them. So right off one is different in that it involves kids as the heroes it's it's very strange after the previous two which were very much straight chanbara for the first 70 minutes or so for this one to be sort of taking it in a new direction mm-hmm. yeah it's it's definitely uh definitely different yeah it you had said to me when i mentioned this to you, you said it's, it's reminded you kind of like the later gamma's that yes. they started, you know, after they started introducing kids, and then the kids became the main characters. And it's like, yeah, I can see that. But 1966, we're not quite at that point in the Gamera movies yet. So, yeah, I don't know. Yeah, <laughs> I, I wonder if this had something to do, maybe. I mean, again, I don't know. Uh, I'm getting they, these were kind of obviously filmed close together and stuff. So they maybe they were trying to come up with some different kind of story. So it was they weren't all just like the same. Like, oh, look, here's these adults doing this thing, yeah. even though they don't necessarily tie into each other. Maybe they were trying something a little different. It might have influenced the gamers down the road. Who knows? Yeah, you know, kind of thing. So, yeah, because eventually and, and, the movies get all kids. Yeah, it's like, it's like, oh my god, are any adults? Where are the adults in this thing? The adults <laughs> are all aliens for the most part. Yes. You know? yeah. or the or they're you know brainwashed models running around in, in you know bikini girls running around. Yeah. But, uh, um, that that sets up for a different for a different story. So, um, at the entrance to the road through Majin's Mountain, the boys are turned away by an old woman. Old woman. <laughs> tells them they will not on the mountain for going through um so we have the old priestess because we have to have an old priest right in this mm-hmm. uh as as one does in in these types of movies and uh like i said it's uh, right off the bat here we're getting into the you know some of the themes of, of the series that um don't don't piss majin off you know, don't, right, right. Um, you know, you, you know, don't, don't, don't disturb him. Don't do that kind of stuff. But I love the kids here because, you know, they're kids, so they're going to live forever. Right. So they just, they just say, yeah, okay, we won't do it. And then they just like hide and sneak past her. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> like whatever. Uh, I, I do. I do kind of like that. It's, it's almost like a kid gang type of movie. It's like the Bowery boys or, uh, uh, the, what is it? The, um, the, the, dead end kids or what was what was that yeah, yeah, uh, what, yeah. yeah you know those type of things or mm-hmm. if you prefer kind of like um 
Oh, the uh, in, in comics, uh, Jack Kirby and Joe Simon did a lot of these kid gang type things with the uh, the yeah. Newsboy Legion or the Green oh. Team and all you know that that's kind of stuff. That's what it really kind of struck me as. So it's like it's like the samurai version of the Newsboys. Yeah, yeah, it's uh, it's different. That's definitely for sure. It's different. Yeah. So. All right. They wait for her to leave, but discover they were followed by uh, Suchiki's younger brother, Sugitatsu. They begrudgingly decide that it's too far to send him back alone and allow him to join on their journey. In Hell's Valley, ah, okay. In Hell's Valley, on discovering that a worker has escaped through Majin's Mountain, Daisen Matsunaga sends three warriors into the mountain to find him. When his lord, Arakawa, the bad guy, returns, he informs them his plan to build a base in Hell's Valley and make gunpowder from the sulfur spray would take two more days to finish construction, making the workers nervous about their fate. So now we get introduced to uh, Lord Arakawa and uh, and his uh, his uh, daimyo, uh, Matsunaga, and they're the guys running this slave camp, basically. They're the warlord. Very common in these three movies, the bad guy be an enemy warlord or something like that. Uh, again, very typical for Achanbara for that to be um, the, the, the villain in that film, that type of film. And of course, they're always very cruel. And here, they're you know they're they're obviously going to kill all these guys off. Uh, but again, it, right, this part of it doesn't seem like it would be out of place in any samurai movie that you might that you might watch. You know, a B level one or even an A level one like a Kurosawa. This type of scene is something that that would fit in that type of film. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I, it, it's just I always find this. Uh, you know, these movies are a little different. Obviously, you're looking at. Um, I mean, you're watching this movie going, okay, this is going to have, you know, giant monster in it at some point like this, but there's no giant monster, obviously, till like near the end. Um, and it just kind of flows much differently than you would expect. I mean, it flows, if you've ever seen anything but like Godzilla movies or even Gamera movies, this flows really different than those kind of films. So, you know, it doesn't kind of work the exact same way. Right. So. Yeah, it really, it really does play, like I said, more like a Chanbara, which is, which is, there's nothing wrong with that. I mean... To me, as a as such a big fan of westerns, I've always liked Chanbara because they're they're you know very they're two sides of the same coin to use the cliche, you know, the yeah, yeah. Uh, the idea that the lone gunman coming into town to right wrongs is very much echoed in um, the traditional Chanbara, except it's usually a ronin instead of a cowboy, obviously, but it's the same yeah. kind of idea, and they have the same sort of visual tropes, and so this type of stuff, this would be no different than in a western if you had like the cattle baron. That was going to be, you know, running the ranchers out of out of off their land or something like that. Right. Yeah. 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 So uh, after tumbling down a sheer mountain wall in a rock slide, the boys discover a hawk in a tree, which the old woman had told them were the messengers of Daimajin. So I want to talk about this. The the scenery through the mountains here is beautiful in this movie mm-hmm. where there you see the boys hiking and they're hiking up and the, the climb is getting obviously a bit rougher as they go. But. I have to assume, I, I tried to look this up and I couldn't find any information. I have to assume this was filmed in and around the Japanese Alps. There, there's lots of mountains in Japan to film these beautiful settings. And it really does, I mean, having a natural setting like that, it makes it easy to buy this as a feudal, taking place in feudal times in the uh, the, the Sengotsu or Warring States time that this is uh, supposed to be set. But I, I really like the scenery in this. And in color, it really does look quite striking. Yeah, yeah, I agree. Definitely. It's, uh, I mean, it, it, I mean, you can definitely tell that they took time and, and they put effort into what they were doing. It was definitely, you know, um, 
it, it, it definitely wasn't just like, you know, hey, we're going to be on a, you know, a state like um, a set. You know what I'm saying? Like, it's not just, a, you know, like, let's, let's get on a set and do this kind of thing. It actually took their time and made it look, you know, like, let's make the thing look as realistic as possible. Because there are other parts where you can tell they definitely had to be on a set. Right. Yes. Yeah. So. Yeah. But this reminded me of even even though it's in color, but kind of the same idea was the scenery in Half Human, where yeah. again being in the mountains was a big part of that story, and it, so it really kind of struck me as as that. But here in color, it it plays a little bit different. The lush greens and all that um, are are very very uh, well captured in this, and I think it does a great job again to selling that setting. Um, mm. So uh, the boys, their their rough climb continues. They opt to take the mountain path rather than attempt to climb again. And they come to the statue of the vengeful God. Surukichi begins to pray to it as do the others. So we, they run headlong into the statue of Majin and they all pray to him. Um, I thought this was, I thought this was pretty neat because usually, and I say usually in the other two, the heroes don't, they, they, they do their best to avoid Majin because you don't want to piss him off. Um, until usually it's right towards the end, right at the beginning of the third act when, you know, when, you know, the, you know, what starts really to hit the fan in these movies. Mm -hmm. So here for them to run, right. I was, I, this took me by surprise that they ran right into him and, uh, this, this relatively early in the film. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, like I said, it's, it's just, uh, it's a different, I don't know. I just, it's kind of different the way things are done here. Um, but yeah, it's. It's good. I mean, it's like I, I guess if you are not used to this kind of movie, you kind of start going, yeah. All right, what are we doing? What are we well, doing? Just, What's going well, on just here? Seeing, well, just seeing yeah. prayer in a Daikaiju film is relatively rare. That's not coming from, you know, like uh, like the natives in a in a Sakazawa uh, yeah. written movie. Right, right, like, that, yeah. this, but to see them praying, the main characters praying, is relatively unusual, except in the Daimajin films. Yeah. And and there's an interesting point on that I read about this saying that in the other two, you know, the people pray to Daimajin and, and get his deliverance are royalty. They're nobles. Whereas here, these are peasants that are, that are the ones praying. And it makes, you know, it, it's, it kind of goes to, I think the, uh, um, it speaks, I think towards the nature of the feudal system and that, mm -hmm. you know, that the, the belief in, in the, the supernatural and belief in the spiritual world was not just limited to the, you know, the, the not just limited to one group or so that the, you know, the idea of praying to this, this God and asking for his forgiveness for disturbing them. First off, it's such a wonderfully Eastern concept, isn't it? To pray to the God for forgiveness for disturbing his mountain, um, you know, and then, and then try quietly going on your way versus um you know actually later like you know like over in the earlier films praying for deliverance from from the uh the awful things that have happened to him uh i, right. I did it did kind of find me as, as a little bit amusing that right around the time i'm peek behind the curtain as we're recording this we're not too far from uh passover and easter and we always watch the ten commandments for for passover you know and so it's kind of the same idea right you're praying to, to the yeah. god for deliverance out of servitude Right, right, right. Yeah. Can you imagine if Cecil B. DeMille had had Daimajin come stomping through Egypt? That'd have been something, right there. Right? <laughs> <laughs> it's like this story is taken from biblical accuracy, except we threw in a big giant stone guy. But yeah. <laughs> so after the boys pray, they continue down the road until they end up encountering the samurai that were sent by Lord Arakawa. 
they narrowly escape. And um, now this, this I thought was interesting. So they run into the samurai and they, um, Sugi makes like a makeshift bow and fires at them. Well, the samurai, they don't hesitate at all firing on the kids with their bows. Mm-hmm. So, you know, it's like these guys, obviously they're bad news, right? If they're willing to, to shoot kids and they're, there's not, it's not, there's not a whole lot of kids in uh, Daikaiju film up till this point, but it wasn't uncommon for the kids to be put in peril when they are in these films. So it's mm-hmm. it's on to to make the to continue the analogy to a western. I don't know if in a western if the the black hats would shoot at the kids. Right. In, well, in, in no. Eighteen sixty six. Yeah, it's it's a little hard. In the seventies. Yeah. yeah, in the 70s, yeah. yeah. <laughs> Just saying, this is not. This so is not. You get a little comedy bunch, beat you know? there. No, not the yeah, it's not the wild. You do get a little. We do get the, but then again, what is the wild? Um, so we do get a little bit of humor with. Back at the, um, uh, yeah. So back at the camp, uh, Daisaku's brother. Shohachi, he's one of the slaves. He uh, resolves that he's going to escape just like Sanpei escaped. And uh, they they have this elaborate escape and they, they make a distraction. And he, gets about, he gets about five feet away before he's captured. And they bring him and he is thrown into the sulfur pits where they make the gunpowder. This is gruesome, isn't it? Again, for uh, just, just think about the era in 1966, oh, I, I execute a guy not by cutting him down with a sword or, you know, having him be shot with a, a riddle. I was to get thrown into a, a burning seems a, a little, a little hard boiled. Yeah, a little bit. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, to the point that I see the other men, the other woodcutters from the village, crying over his death, which, again, is not something I, I again see mapped in uh, a, uh, a bar. I keep saying that, but it's true. Than, than a Daikaiju movie. I don't know of another Daikaiju yeah. film where a main character is killed and they, they actually take time to mourn them. Yeah. Uh, right. Yeah. <laughs> so let's see. The boys back on the mountain then encounter the samurai again and Sugi steals their food. I thought this was fantastic. Where yeah. the little the little little Sugi, who's the youngest one, just marches in and they cause he causes a distraction. The samurai all run off and he goes and takes their pot of food. <laughs> yeah he just I, and I love it too because he's he's literally you could see him they're walking right by him i'm like okay <laughs> like but he just kind of standing there and he like oh you know kind of thing and don't 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 do and waddles in and gets their food and he he carries it away you know i was like okay like <laughs> you know like I said, this movie's different. So. Yeah. Well, it's 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 got a little bit of comedy in it, which the other two don't have. The other two are very, right at very all. Yeah. serious. Whereas this yeah. one has a little bit of comedy. So it does, I, I did appreciate that, that having the kids, they do kind of play to that a little bit. And uh, right. e- even though they, it does kind of make the samurai look a little foolish, fine. Okay. It's, it's you know, they, they're, they're, they're hunting four kids and they can't get them. They're not doing too good, right? So They have guns, nonetheless. Yeah. That's the problem. <laughs> if you're hunting four kids, you know, one of them's a little child. You have guns and you can't get them? Like, never yeah. get samurai in my book. That's what I'm saying. <laughs> yeah, turn in your top knot. You're out of here. But, yeah. uh, elsewhere, 
one of the boy's mothers and her and the group of villagers are approached by a group of men from the Lord's castle to search for the missing man on her journey on their journey to Hell's Valley after Senpai died. So this is we get like the cavalry, right? That they're going to come and ride, and they they but they never make it. They they yeah, do they all this stuff and they never do it. So I'm not. I, it's almost as if this like, wait a minute, why wouldn't the Lord send his men? It's like, oh crap, put put a couple of guys on horses in there. They'll, they'll, <laughs> it's like the army in Monster Squad. Yep. <laughs> all right, son. All right. Where are they? Where are the monsters? <laughs> Mummy came in my house. Oh, came so. in my house. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I don't know, man. Just. Yeah. Uh, uh, it, did, it, it, know, it, hey. it, it seems like an afterthought in the story. It definitely seems like it one really of those, like, does. uh, you know, kind it of really thing, does, so. because they don't, they don't play into it at all. Yeah. So, so the boys then attempt to raft down the river to Hell's Valley, but the raft breaks and Kinta is swept away. Now, again, this one, this, this, this blew my mind when I watched it, that they, they build this raft and they're going down and they, they see, I mean, it's 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 almost like they're going down like a whitewater rapids ride, right? Like they're right, at right. Uh, uh, you know Bluto's Bildrad barges or something like that. And but then the raft breaks up and Kinta is just he's gone. He's just gone. And it's like holy crap, you know. I I really did not expect them to, because I kept expecting him to like pop up on the shore or they'd run into him or he'd or they he would <clears throat> crawl up on the shore and get captured by a samurai or something. But no, he's gone and he, we don't see him again. Yeah, he's dead. So, <laughs> yeah, and I thought that was crazy too because they killed the child, which is you know, I figured okay, danger, you know, getting hurt, whatever. But to kill one of the the main children here, okay, you know. So, but yeah, I guess well, that, it's different. <laughs> yeah. It's, yeah, it's a hard. It's a hard. The you know the feudal feudal states was a hard time. You know there was uh, yeah bad, bad things all over. I guess, but. Uh, yeah, so that that one that of of all the things that was actually probably the most surprising aspect of this to me, just straight up. But uh, so with with Kinta swept away, the remaining boys then spend the night in a rock. Kind of um, scene where we see Sugi's dream with the with the snow and all that, and it's it's uh, you know again it, it makes sense that he's he's having I mean again he's the, the littlest one of all of them and he's having a bad time about this, but this it's um it's weird because I I like this it's visually very interesting it and it does foreshadow the, the last act of the film, but it's it's again it's it's just visually another thing that's different and another thing that's, that's that makes this this an entry different than the two that came before it this. Uh, I said this, um, not, you know, a few minutes spent on a, of a character. What, what'd you think? Yeah. I mean, it, again, it's, it, it's, it makes sense in what we're doing here and all kind of thing. You have to kind of show the hardship of the whole thing. You're, you got to show that this is, I mean, they, they, they have to be able, you have to be able to kind of see that this is, you know, more than these, like they're being super brave to go through and do this, but there's gotta be, you know, the mental toll it's taking on them. You know what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. So, um, yeah, yeah, you know, and especially since the little one, you know, they kept telling him, "Don't, you're not coming with us. You're not coming." And, he, and he's managed to catch up to them, which was amazing, because um, he is so little. Uh, and then he's, you know, the one who's brave enough to go steal the food and do the whatever. You know, it's just, I don't know. It just seems like a, um, you know, it's it just it's, as you, as the story goes on, you kind of 
the, 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 obviously the kids are able to outsmart the samurai. They're able to survive all these things. They're doing things that are beyond the scope of what you think kids their age should be able to do, right. you know, kind of thing. Um, so yeah, you know, so they're going to have a part where he's going to be scared and that's where the dreams are so bad and whatever. I mean, so there's a lot of, you know, kind of thing like that, but you know, so yeah. So after a sleepless night and a day of walking, the kids collapse from exhaustion and are found by the samurai who attack them and are in turn attacked by a hawk. At the same time, the villagers have come to the statue of Daimajin who begins to awaken after one of the samurai shoot one of his hawks during their battle. Now, back when I covered the first one of these, I had watched the original Daimajin with my good friend, Joe Butler. And I was watching at his house and we're watching the movie. And in that one, the evil um, Daimyo, he kills the old at the end of the middle of the second act and joe without missing a beat says you never kill the old priestess you know and that became that became that became the the title of the episode and here it's like you never kill the messenger of the god it's like that's right, just, yeah. nope not a good call <laughs> it's like oh no oh no <laughs> this ain't gonna end um, well buddy no. So. no, so they they shoot the hawk and uh, and they said and and right as the villagers have come and the Daimajin starts to awaken and that's when you know again that that the you know what has hit the fan is when Majin starts to wake up. So I timed it out. I've got the timestamp. Daimajin awakens at one hour and five minutes into the seventy nine minute film. Yep. So all you people complaining about Gareth is that Ed- Gareth Edwards Godzilla? I'm just saying. You know, <laughs> uh, yeah, and and the thing is, once he wakes up, is when then and this is when the story really, uh, when the movie kind of shifts. Um, you know what's going to happen now shifts to me, and, and I'm not trying to you know bury the movie, but I'm just being honest with it. Is like at this point, I'm like, okay, okay, okay. Like again, I get the kid's journey, I get the what's happening, I get all this stuff, like kind of thing. But you know. I, I, you're sitting down to watch a, a, a you know movie with a kaiju and a giant monster in it, and you're getting kind of a samurai movie. You're getting like a bit like okay, like what is going on here? Mm-hmm. And then once he wakes up, you're like, oh, here we go. Now we're <laughs> gonna see the stuff that I know we're gonna start seeing. So yeah, uh, yep. So the uh, the Daimajin begins to bleed and changes from the statue to his monstrous form as uh, back on the mountain. Uh, Surukichi begs him to pardon Daisuka and Sugi, who had frozen to death and then yeah. offers his life in exchange, actually jumps off the cliff to sacrifice himself. Um, Daimaj- again, I, you know, at, at this point, it's like they already killed one kid. What's a couple more, you know? Yeah. Right? Yeah, so- <laughs> Four kids. Four kids are dead at this point. Yeah. Now, admittedly, they walk it back a little bit because Daim- Daimajin teleports to where Surukichi had fallen and lays him on a rock where the reawakened Sugi and Daisak- Daisaku were waiting. This, again, another great visual. So Majin rises f- from the snow in so you've got all this, you know, this this big blizzard going on, but he's got the flames all around him as he rises up. I really like this. Every time Majin makes his entrance in one of these films, it's always a great scene, and uh, and th- this is this is this one's really cool. And again, like you said this is where you know that the tone has changed. Um, the 
the uh, the the the, the mo- margin is here, and and bad stuff's about to start going down for pretty much everyone. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> and and the thing is too, um, you know, the uh, the margin, the the look of him, and you know, obviously in his, uh, uh, you know giant monster form here um it's always to me i, I always thought it was really striking i thought it was really cool i actually have um one of the x plus uh the x plus release of it i was able to score one at a, at a fl- i guarantee the person didn't even know what they had they had a whole bunch of random stuff there i go how much for the damage and they go what they go this guy they go i don't know five bucks i'm like mm, they're like all right three bucks i'm like three bucks i guess so and John's like, dude, that's like a $25 thing when it came. I go, yeah, it's probably worth at least that now. I said, but I was like, nah, I guess, okay. You know, kind of thing, like, you know, kind of thing. Um, like, twist my arm. You, you talk yeah, me into it. Yes, yeah, <laughs> you know, kind of I was like, you have any others? They're like, I don't even know where I got that from. I'm like, oh, okay. Like, I was hoping he's going to have a few other X plus laying around. Like, yeah. I don't know. I got this, I got this, this metal looking guy. I got this horse looking guy. You know, I'll be like, oh, I'll just. Take all these X pluses <laughs> off your hand for you. You know, clearly you don't know what you have here, buddy. You know, you have any with tags on them still? Because tags, you know, who want tags on them? Yeah. You know, um, for those of you who don't know, you're uh, look into the X plus vinyl line of things they came out with. They have a Centaur, they have uh, Talos, they have whatever. They were all the Harryhausens and different things, and they have these 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 uh, vinyls that you know they usually go for you know 20 25 bucks whatever when they came out but some of them became so rare because they were like sold out immediately and i'm like eh, i'll take one not three bucks i guess you know and meanwhile it has the, has the sword still attached it has the chain and sword still attached and i'm like that's really what's worth the most money here yeah you yeah. know kind of thing so anyway <laughs> um but yeah so to me i always I thought that was really cool i mean obviously we've never seen it in anywhere anywhere else like fighting another monster per se right. like you know kind of thing like you never seen like oh Look, here it is. Like, it never showed up on Ultraman or anything like that. I'm assuming it didn't. No. You know, no. kind of thing. Um, but, I mean, so, but it's not like when Godzilla's, what, well, sorry, Godzilla's never been on Ultraman. Wink. Yeah. Wink. You can hear it through there. Um, like, oh, no, you ripped off his frill. Wink. You know, kind of yeah. thing. Um, so the whole thing is, like, so you've never seen that. I thought it was really cool if he was, like, fighting something else. Well, but and well, I was going to say, that you know, it, doesn't, it doesn't fit well, you know, kind of thing, story-wise. Yeah, right. Not, not here. Now, now you've read John LeMay's uh, books about mm-hmm. unproduced Daikaiju film, and so, oh yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, in the film that would become Godzilla versus Gigan, yep. one of the early scripts for uh, back when it was—I don't remember if this was Return of King Ghidorah or King Ghidorah's Counterattack, or they did a couple of different names. But one of those early scripts featured a new heroic monster called Majin Tuo, and mm-hmm. he was going to be Toho's take on Daimajin. Yes. And basically, the to, to, to not get too far afield, basically, the ev- the villain of that story was like an evil space brain, and he was going to try and put himself into the Majin Tuo's body because it was the right... Huge giant body, right? And eventually, the Majin Tuol would become animated and fight for fight for the Earth. And so that that would have that would would have gotten a Majin fighting other monsters. You know, I can just see him like you know cutting down Gigan with his sword or something like that, which would have been crazy. But yeah. uh, unfortunately, no money was available for them to do that, and thus it didn't happen. But <laughs> yeah, so lives on um, in yeah, our, so, in our yeah. right. So as, as as he's you know he's laying waste to the the uh, the samurai and the you know. Uh, all the bad guys here kind of thing. Um, 
like some of the choices they make where to run don't make a lot of sense to me. And I'm like, yeah, and they were they run into like, you know, yeah. he's going to get you there. Well, you know, yeah, well, so, yeah. So, I mean, uh, well, well, we'll, we'll talk about as we run through it. So Lord yeah. Arakawa prepares to dump all the slave laborers into the sulfur pit right as Daimajin breaks through the valley walls and begins to march towards Arakawa. So this is really cool seeing first off, just the Majin walking through the snowstorm is very striking. Reminds me again of like a Zatoichi type film, or if you prefer, it's almost like the bride and Oren in the garden in Kill Bill yeah. with the, the stark white background. Um, but then, but once he, once he gets, you know, starts going, he's swatting dudes left and right. He's crushing guys. He's just going, he's just going through everything. And that's always a great thing. He's like the juggernaut, you know, he just doesn't care anymore. You know, right, right, yeah. And uh, and then they 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 throw they cut all the logs and they release all the logs on him, you know. Yeah. And so he picks them up and starts throwing the logs. It's yeah. <laughs> it's like this didn't work the way we thought it was going to. Yeah. <laughs> oh, so uh, then Daimajin then destroys the gunpowder factory and overturns the vats of sulfur, which ignite. Yeah. And yeah. so now there's fire everywhere as well. Uh, we get to see the feudal zip lines as they are running away uh, in this, which I thought was, was edgy. I don't know that they had zip lines in the Warring States period, but I don't well, know that they did. Yeah, I'm saying like, like <laughs> some of those things I'm like, oh, I don't know if that was the best choice right there. Because there's a line. You got to wait to get on. Oh, I got to get on this thing. I'm like, I don't know, buddy. <laughs> well, they I mean, all maybe, go, go on. Yeah. If everyone's running left, maybe I'm going right. Just saying. So... <laughs> Well, they all they all run into the underground bunker, which I thought yeah. at first I'm like, okay, you know, I can kind of see that, but it's yeah. like maybe if you were getting attacked by like horsemen, but yeah. he's he's literally stomped through your gate and he's picked up tree trunks and thrown them at you, and then yeah, but, then they yeah. then they have the gall to act surprised when he starts like stomping on top of the bunker and it starts collapsing and caving in. Yeah. <laughs> I don't know what to tell you, man. It's just, it's just bad ideas. I'm like, that's not gonna work. Oh yeah. boy, buddy. You know. So, <laughs> buddy, yep. buddy, buddy, buddy. <laughs> yep. Well, you know, then they 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 keep running away. They're they're running through. They run through the mountain pass. And this this scene, this shot was to me just great. This is one that yeah. you can you can picture how it's written in the script, and then to see it on the screen was great. So they're running through it. He cuts the mountain in half. Yep. with the sword and yeah. everyone's crushed by the rocks and it's like yeesh just yeah. yeesh <laughs> yeah. uh, so he grabs Lord Arakawa chases him down picks him up stabs him with his sword and then yeah. wipes the blood off like a good samurai before putting it back into, yeah. the, into his sheath um, so this and so, so this 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 bit right, right from when you know, they, they pray to Majin and he wakes up through this, through them killing Lord Arakawa. This is what the whole movie's about, right? It's about this, like, ten minutes of movie. Yeah, right, 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 right. right. And, it's, and it's just, for that ten minutes, it's nonstop, you know, Majin wrecking up the place. It's And, it, yep. and it's glorious. Yeah. I, I, I just, like I said, if you're coming in thinking, like, oh, this is going to be like, you know, even even the ones that maybe don't have as many creatures in it, like you know, kind of like uh, you know, Toho's, especially, or even even uh, Dai, you know, Dai, kind of thing, like with all the different uh, kaiju movies you could have seen, you know, 
this is when you're like, wait, what? Wait, what? Like, I could imagine... Now, I know a lot of people hold these movies like they were very special to them because they saw them on TV, you know, uh, like Saturday afternoons, kind of stuff like that, or they saw them in the theaters or whatever, that kind of thing. Like, if I, if I was going in thinking, like, we're going to watch a, like a, a giant monster movie, man, I don't know if I'd have made it through this as a kid uh, because there ain't a whole lot of giant monster stuff happening. If you get those 10 minutes, you're like, oh, okay, I got it. You know, kind of thing. So, right. Yeah. Uh, and, and again, I'm, I, don't, I, don't want, I don't want people to think I'm being super negative about things or whatever. I'm just being honest. Like, if you literally are like, Man, there's gonna be giant monster fights and stuff. It's, there ain't no giant monster fights. There's a lot of like uh, bad guys being really mean to people who didn't do anything, and a lot of kids walking through the woods. You know, yeah. kind of thing. so. So it's yeah. kind of like Lord of the Rings. Yes, it's a lot like Lord of the Rings. <laughs> <laughs> I'm just thinking of Randall's description of Lord of the Rings from Clerks Two. Yeah. <laughs> yes, exactly. So, oh my God. So. so. So after reuniting with the woodsmen, with all the bad guys dead, the villagers kneel and pray to Majin. Majin then turns back into a snow-covered statue and dissipates into a flurry, blows away as the snow, and everyone is happy again as they get to all go back to their village. So, and again, they this cross over the mountain though to get there. Yes, right, right, which is so really like, going to piss them off again. So like, I saying. told you guys. <laughs> Look, look, we're going to build our life here now in Hell Valley, yeah. you know, kind of thing. Look, it's, we don't want to cheese this guy off a third time. Like, let's we, we, remember happened last time, right? With the snow. Yeah. Okay. He can do this again. So. Hell Valley. So, that, that's, that's, that's like, that's Hill Valley in, in, in the future, right? It was Hell Valley, but, <laughs> oh no, that, that was in, that was in 1985A. It was Hell Valley, wasn't it? Yeah. Right. Right. Um, so, so the ending again, very, very much like the other two. Once uh, Daimajin is done, now in the other two, when Daimajin's done, he like starts turning on like everybody around him and they pray to him and he goes away. Here, he's kind of just, I did my thing and they pray and he, he goes home. And it is, it is quite a, a nice visual of him blowing away like, uh, like a snowstorm after all the imagery of the storm and snow that we've gotten in the film. I thought this was a, a nice touch that he, even though he's this supernatural figure, he's still tied to the natural world. And so yeah. he leaves in a natural way. Yeah, I think I think what uh, the thing what made me this a little different is obviously you had all the children, uh, you know, die. I mean, obviously the three who you know not. I, I was waiting for the kid to get washed away to show up again here. Right. The other three came back, like you know, like we you only saved the three. I mean, kind of thing. So because I guess the kid wasn't praying for the other one hard enough. I no, don't know. He didn't so. pray hard enough, I guess. Yeah. And again, because I, I agree, I thought Kinto was gonna that he was gonna somehow be back too, and he's he's not, and so it's it it is this bit where, you know that that, that Kinta's brother is there, but he's not, and it's like oh that's still kind of harsh, but I, mean, I guess they saved everybody, but at what you know they the kid had to make a sacrifice in order to to save everybody. Yeah, well, I don't know. Uh, I mean, he, they, they, he did jump off the mountain for him as a sacrifice, so I yeah. Don't know. Yeah, so, so I mean, I guess I guess Daimajin's heart was not totally made of stone. Yeah. Bow, bow, bow. <laughs> so so that's our that's our movie, and that that's, yeah. that also ends the uh, the Showa uh, Daimajin series. What what did you think overall, Jay? Uh, I'll be honest, is that I mean, uh, I kind of had an idea going in that what it was going to be, you know, kind of like this, so I was prepared for it. Um. Like I said, if if you thought you were going to get a monster movie, you were wrong. If you were going to get a lot of giant monsters, you were wrong. Uh, 
I like the part where, where Demijan is, and he's alive and like, you know, doing stuff. I mean, that's just, you can just appreciate all the effects and the, and the, the suit and all the stuff like that. Um, it's not a bad story. I, I kind of don't like this as much. I like the first one better. Right. Um, I think it has little, first one has a little better story to it. And I think maybe it's because of the kids and I'm not trying to be negative, but like, like there's a lot of walking through the woods. Yeah. You know, so like, there's a lot to get there, and, that, and like, and like the stuff with the samurai, like they foil the samurai several times, and I'm like, how inept are these samurai? <laughs> you know, like there's, you know, you got to have some pride in that name, there, buddy. You know, kind of thing. Yeah. You know, it's not like they just call them like meh, you know, kind of thing. They're not meh. You know, they're the samurai. Like these are the elite, and they killing force, and they can't kill four little kids. So. Right. Um, but you yeah, know, it's, I. It's not, it's, I, I think what do you call it? Not having never seen the middle one, I think um, if if the middle one's like the first, if two is like the first one, I think the problem is this one's vastly different then. Yes. For story. Yeah, I, yes. I I agree. I I I like this, but I like the first mm-hmm. two better. Um, okay, I yeah, think yeah. the first two better. The first two work better as a Chanbara before you get to the Daimajin parts, and I think yeah. that. You know, that's that's really the defining trait of these films is that they're a mashup of those two genres. And um, the acting is better in the other two because they don't have to rely on four kids to, yep. to be yep. their leads. And I think the kids do an OK job, but there's they're still just kids. And they're you know, and they're, like I said, there is a lot of walk. Um, the, the 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 other parts with the adults, the adults don't get a whole lot to do, even, you know, the the, the older brothers and all that. They don't get a whole lot to do other than to, you know, try and escape and fail. So yeah. it, it really falls on the kids to carry this. And that, that's kind of a tough spot to be in with four, four leads and no adults for them to really play off of very much. Even yeah. in some of the, even in the later Gamera films where we get a lot of kids, they tend to have adults that they're working with yep. either as I'm thinking like the space women from Gamera mm-hmm. versus Urine or, you know, um, the other characters that they interact with in like Gamera versus Zeger or uh, Zegra. I combined, I can Zeger, that's, that's Jiger and Zegra combined. Um, so, whereas here, like the kids, yeah. I like Transformers. <laughs> I like Transformers. Yeah. <laughs> Your body's going through many changes. Uh. <laughs> <laughs> oh. oh, God. Okay, so you're going, sorry. Yeah. No, 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 I brought it on myself. All I can think of is the riff tracks for Transformers when uh, yes. when Michaela's sitting on Sam's lap and uh, Mike goes, oh, man, this reminds me of my senior prom. He's like, oh, a uh, beautiful girl, a hot Camaro. He's like, no, I was at home playing with my Transformer. <laughs> <laughs> oh, but that, 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 that was standing. standing. Um, I yeah, guess, right. <laughs> I did, uh, I did, I, I like it, but it does, it does um, suffer in comparison to the other two. Yeah. That said, you know, it's only 79 minutes and for your investment of 65 minutes to get to see Daimajin tear apart Lord Arakawa's camp at the end is worth the investment of the 80 minutes yeah. to watch the movie. So it's, it, you know, it, it does what it says on the tin. Daimajin, you know, he has wrath, he strikes again, it's all there, right? So uh, it's it's definitely, I, I definitely, like I said, I would watch, I would watch that third if you're going to watch all three of them, but it's not, it's definitely worth watching, I think. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah. I think what you'll find is that, uh, and I'm sure it's on YouTube somewhere, someone's probably cut together all the Daimajin stuff from the three movies, mm-hmm. uh, you know, in one place. So if you, you know, I mean, again, like Luke said, you should watch them in, in order, so, kind of thing, so you understand like what's happening. Not that they have anything to do with each other, but you can kind of see where they were and then they're making this third if you watch this one first, it doesn't make any sense. 
Like you're like, okay. Well, I think if you watch like this, this one third, you're like, I don't know if I want to watch the others, you know. Whereas the the first one yeah. especially engenders such goodwill that you're willing to give it a try. Right, that's what I mean. Like I'm saying, if you watch this one first, you're like, ah, eh, okay, this is what they're like. I don't really want to watch this again. All right, kind of thing. If you're gonna watch two other di- movies that are like this, but the other ones aren't like it, so or at least you know, kind of like so. That's the whole time. That's what I'm saying. Yeah. Is but I mean, but if you're just interested in seeing what the the, the what he, the, the Maijin looks like, I'm sure you can find clips of him. And once you oh, see yeah. it, oh, it's pretty impressive, you know. So yeah. it's worth the time. So he he is such I, a cool look, you know. He always, yeah. I mean, he's very he's obviously inspired by Japanese feudal style art, but mm-hmm. just the way his face is is so it's grotesque. But it, again, it looks like the way that a shogun would be shown on a like a like a, a, a wall scroll. You know, yeah. watercolor, mm-hmm. Japanese watercolor. And, but he's, but he's, you, you look at him, it's like, oh man, he's pissed. You know, it's like, that's mm-hmm. the only expression that he can show. So he just looks mad all the time. And it's like, yeah. yep. Yeah. I don't blame him. I'd be mad too. Yeah. People were messing up, walking around my mountain all the damn time. Yeah. <laughs> so, so yeah. So if you want to, if you want to pick this up there, I, the, what I have, I actually have the, uh, the old ADV release on DVD, the three disc set. Uh, yeah. That is that's out of print. I got that one a long time ago. The interest, the, the kind of infamous thing about that is that they have two of the discs mislabeled and two of the movies yep. mislabeled. So Daimajin is Daimajin, but then Return of Daimajin is labeled Wrath of Daimajin and is disc three. And uh, Daimajin Strikes Again is labeled Return of Daimajin and is labeled disc two. But since they don't really matter what order you necessarily watch them in from a story standpoint, that's okay, but it was a little confusing when I was trying to figure out which disc to watch. Now, Jay, I think you have the Mill Creek Blu-ray set of this, right? I do. I do. I have the Blu-ray. It's two discs. Um, uh, one, and obviously, uh, Dimogen and, Re- and Return of Dimogen are on disc one. And then the third disc is Dimogen Strikes Again and all the special features. Uh, and that is labeled correctly. Um, <laughs> I think. So... Uh, uh, that I don't, I don't remember. If that's still in print. It that's was what I'm last looking time up I right now. I don't yeah. know if it, if it is, which is which is unfortunate because I mean, especially that you know Milk Creek is putting out such great Daikaiju stuff right now. Um, literally, is. is it out of print? Well, I mean, it doesn't appear to be. I mean, it's like forty-five. No, that's that's not it. That's that's. So the DVD itself, sorry, sorry. So the DVD, which is probably what you have. Nope, that's not even it. These are imports. It's yeah. 200 bucks. Oh, my right. God. Okay. It's out of print. Yeah. Okay. Don't buy it for $200. That's a lot of money for three movies, folks. Like, yeah. I'm just saying. And, I, and as this speaks nothing about the movies themselves. That's a lot of money for three movies. So Yeah, I don't uh, know that there's any movie I would pay $66 for three times, you know? Yeah. Yeah. I mean, so. you know. Well, again, I'm sorry. sorry. So, unfortunately, oh, no, I guess, I guess eBay is your best. They're on YouTube, they are, Yes. You can, you can YouTube. watch them on YouTube, and I believe they're subtitled on YouTube. Yes, um, they are. They're, they're Japanese with subtitles. Yep, they're yeah, all on so, YouTube. So, you can watch them if you, if you want to check them out. Like I said, if you get an opportunity to pick them up uh, at a reasonable price, I'd, I'd say do it. The, the, the ADV set is good, and I know that uh, Mill Creek one is, is very good as well. Hopefully, they can, Mill Creek or Shout or somebody can, can pick these back up and get them back out. Um, for consumption. I was saying that Mill Creek is doing such great stuff with, with uh, Daikaiju uh, and Tokusatsu stuff right now. Literally yep. today, as we're recording this, my set of Ultraman X 
the series and the movie arrived from uh, from Mill Creek on Blu-ray. So they're you know they they've been pound they've been killing it with the Ultraman stuff. Awesome uh, through a steel book, and just recently. You may have heard me over on the Monster Island Film Vault with Nathan Marchand talking about the Battle in Outer Space. They're releasing that on a double feature with the H Man. Uh-huh. So hope I, 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 I would love for... to see them. Yeah, I got that pre-ordered too. That that um, I have uh, I have not. I mean, the H Man is one we haven't covered either of those here on Earth Destruction Directive. But I I would I'm really interested to see Battle in Outer Space in Blu-ray because that movie is just so visual and uh-huh. so you know such about the titular battle in outer space and so much special effects i really can't wait to see that in a in a bright uh, blu-ray and the h-man the h-man is one of those ones that it's again it's like this it's a change of pace because it's not a giant monster it's like a yakuza movie that's also like a yep. horror movie so that yeah. one would be interesting just to rewatch because that, we watched that I, as kids yeah and and yeah. you're expecting the monster movie but you get more of a gangster movie yeah which was weird we we're like what what are you watching you know, like, oh, okay. No, I'm saying it, but when you're a kid, you're like, wait, this is a monster movie. Okay. Yep. You know, kind of thing. So, well, well, what I, well, I'm sure I'll have some motivation to do the, the, the guidance for the H man once that Blu ray set comes out because yeah. that's, uh, not, you know, because again, that, that's, that's per, a perfect guide in those, those mutant films, you know, H man and yeah. human vapor and so forth. But, uh, yep. but, um, so again, you can check them out on, on YouTube. Have you watched any of the, the Daimajin films? Uh, send me an email, earthdestructiondirective at yahoo.com. I'd love to hear your thoughts. Like I said, I, I've really enjoyed uh, covering these three films and watching these three films, uh, which I had not seen before I started this podcast. So it's been a real treat of discovery for me. And another series completed. We've been completing series. We've been I've been running this show for more than nine years, so we're slowly starting to finish up series, uh, if you can Just believe that. Checking them off. Checking Just them off, them man. Off. Just punch them out. Get that punch list and punch them out. So, uh, <laughs> so, uh, so Jay, why don't um, why don't you tell everybody where uh, they can find you if they'd like to hear some more from you? So, uh, if you want to hear um, our dad and I, and again, Luke will sometimes uh, be a guest on the show too, as long with along with some other people like Jonathan and Body and stuff like that. Uh, if you want to check out Bots, Bugs, and Babes, the B Movie Podcast, um, where we talk about B movies, and B movies can go. Um, things like from the 30s and 40s all the way up to things that are current day. And Dad and I, um, it's mostly Dad and I doing it. And, of course, like I said, Luke's been on there as well. Um, we cover all kinds of B-movies and stuff, and a lot of crossover stuff you might be interested in. If you like big bugs, and I cannot lie, we got some stuff on that show for you. Um, mm-hmm. Also, you can check out Luke and I when we are uh, joined by the Chris's. Um, they are two different people, by the way. Um, yes. Just like we're two different people. Um, exactly. I join us on the vault um, where we have been uh, doing a whole bunch of stuff. Um, you know, recently you might have heard us uh, the episode where we did Doctor Sleep. Um, we've been talking about the horror rack, hang- horror rack hangers on. Um, you know, 80s kind of movies from the videos. Uh, you know, kind of days back we did Slaughter High and things like that. Fun, fun stuff. And if you are into wrestling at all, you might want to check Luke, myself, and Chris, the, the hair metal hero, Tyler, Chris Tyler, over there on uh, Get Back to the Wrestling, uh, finally a show about professional wrestling on the internet, um, where we talk about all kinds of wrestling stuff. Uh, we, we talked about, well, we did news, entrance music, we did finishers, we did reviewed certain uh, WrestleManias, like, We'll talk about some shows, we'll talk about like the debut of NXT when it was on uh, USA Network. We do all kinds of all kinds of stuff, and if none of that stuff makes any sense to you, then 
maybe you should get into wrestling and learn that stuff. <laughs> um, but unlike unlike a lot of other shows where we're gonna be like, oh, everything's great, everything's horrible, we give it the, what we feel, you know, kind of thing. And um, you know, it's like anything else. I think if you listen to Earth Structure Directive, you understand that my brother's gonna, you know, he's gonna shoot you the truth. If he doesn't like something, he's gonna tell you he doesn't like it. That's how Dad and I are on on Bots, Bugs, and Babes. That's how we are on the Vault. Um, with a little more colorful language, maybe on the vault, yes. and definitely some colorful. There's a lot more colorful language on the vault, and uh, get back to the wrestling than there are obviously on our instruction directive and bots, bugs, and babes because we both provide family-friendly shows because we are, uh, you know, family. We, we are dads, you know, kind of thing. We have, yes. you know, we put it out there so that other dads and moms and other people can listen with their kids, and a lot of people do listen with their kids. So, mm-hmm. um, and that. But, yeah. uh, yeah, that, that's also a great segue. I do, as always, want to uh, say that Earth Destruction Directive is for everyone. All are welcome here at Earth Destruction Directive. If you are interested in giant monsters, giant monster culture, giant statues that come to life and, and uh, you know, wreak havoc on a feudal countryside, uh, you are welcome here on this show and you're welcome to be a part of it. Um, Jay, thank you very much. Always glad to have you on. Uh, it, uh, it's, it's funny you talking about the debut of NXT on USA. That wasn't that long ago, but it seems forever ago, doesn't it? Oh my God. Oh, a lot has happened. (laughs) I I feel like somebody needs to, right. Someone needs to unplug 2020 and plug it back in. Like, it's like when your router doesn't work and you're like, let me just unplug this thing. And you got to count till 10, which is never going to plug it back in. Like, I feel like that's what we need to do. Like, you know, I'm just saying. So, yeah. I mean, at, I mean, I'm waiting down for here Cthulhu South, to come out of the, yeah. you know, Cthulhu is going to come rise up at some point and be like, yeah, well, I got it. Okay. What else? What else you got? You know, kind of thing. So Cthulhu is going to come. He's like, you know what, guys? Uh, I'm good. I'm good. I'm good. Um, Thanks. I'll Thanks. catch you all another millennium. Yeah. Y'all be, y'all, yeah. y'all take well, care of yourself. I, well, I heard the devil canceled his uh, trip to Georgia. So yes. I think we're good. Yeah, apparently uh, you know, the fiddle fiddle contest declared non-essential is uh, is what they were saying. So yeah. Uh, so <laughs> real quick, uh, folks, if you're uh, the, the, Luke was mentioning the H Man and Battle of Outer Space, the uh, just wanted the Blu-ray list price is twenty bucks. You can get it for like thirteen. It comes out in June, June 9th, It looks like now. That's what they're saying. I just wanted because we were mentioning it. I'm gonna make sure yes. I mentioned the you know. Hey, put this way, it's two movies. Um, the H again. I don't think that these ever been available. They were on DVD, I think. The, in yes, that. this is this is the first they, time are, that are those they part of the icons of sci-fi. That is that is completely correct. They are on that icons I of sci-fi this. collection because with those Mothra. with Mothra <laughs> yeah. because those are the three that Columbia co-produced. So Columbia yeah. owns those movies in perpetuity. So if you see one, you're usually going to see the other two pretty close after it. Well, I'm gonna be honest with you. They, they, their their steel book that they put out of uh, Mothra is outstanding. The the movie, oh, yeah. Yeah. steel book is outstanding. So um, I'll give you an example. So you can probably score the Toho collection. The th- I have it. I have my here. The mm-hmm. icons of sci-fi. That's like ten ten bucks, eleven bucks for like thirteen bucks. You're getting two Blu-rays for the H Man and and um, and the Battle of Outer Space. Um, and uh, well. I'm trying to look. I mean, the thing is, the Mothra one, I know that was only, it wasn't that expensive when that came out either. I mean, Mill Creek no. does not, uh, things are not expensive. They're quality, but they're just not super expensive because they're about getting content to the fans yep. instead of just like, how can we make a lot of money on some packaging? Yeah. You know, so. And even and even when they do fancy packaging, they're not super expensive. No. I mean, the Ultraman sets, I think their steelbooks end up being like $2 more than the regular packaging. Okay. 
And and I'll say this. And um, so I went with the Steelbooks. I I personally think the Steelbooks look great, and they they all stack up nice. They all have the exact same trade dress, so they look great. But what I didn't realize is that if you go with the standard Blu-ray sets for the Ultramans, they also have standard trade dress, and yes, it it makes you um, folks may remember. Um, like the when the 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 Star Trek motion pictures, the Star Trek films were released on VHS, and they made the start the the Enterprise when you put all the uh, cases uh-huh. together. The all the Ultraman ones on the standard sets make like a mural, like a timeline of the series yep. from Ultra Q to Ultraman to Ultra Seven. So those are really nice too. They they look different than the Steel Books, but you're not losing out if you go that route instead you're still getting a cool yeah. look on your shelf so mill creek i said doing great work and hopefully they can bring this dimogen set back into print uh so we yeah. can get it back out there again so yeah uh, what i'm thinking is i wonder if, if it's one of those like if what they got the as long as they still have the rights to it and whatever i wonder if they're going to wait until what is this 66 right so maybe next year yeah. uh, an anniversary edition because you know it makes sense if you're going to release something in 2020 and that is not that's been it's, it's a release of something that was out previously it would make sense to release it in, a, in a, an anniversary year and just stick like, you know, like 75th anniversary. It was not 75th. You know what I'm saying? Like you yeah, put like a right. name on it kind of thing. It always kind of helps, you know, mm-hmm. so. Absolutely. All right, Jay, thank you very much for being on. As I said, always, always great to have you on. I, I it's, uh, it's, it's, it's like we've been talking about this stuff forever, but. Uh, <laughs> seems like it. It certainly so. seems so. Uh, but uh, again, and thank you everyone out there for for downloading and listening. Uh, thank you again for uh, for sticking with me. I know that we've had some delays and stuff. Obviously, there's been some things outside of our control, and I'm hoping that Earth Destruction Directive can uh, uh, can at least provide you some entertainment uh, during the, these times we live in. Um, and and as it, with everything going on here, hopefully talking about some giant monsters will will help uh, put a smile on your face and take your mind off of some other things. Um, real quick, I will say. What is coming up next time? As I said, we're always looking forward, even though we're looking backward. And so next time on our destruction directive, we are going back into uh, around the same time period, 1967. We're taking a look at the next episode of the original Ultraman. We're only looking Uh at one episode because it is one of the greatest. We're taking a look at episode 23, My Home is Earth, featuring the monster all-time favorite Ultraman episodes, one of my favorite monsters as well. So look forward to that. That's what we're going to be covering next time. Uh, We've got some great stuff set up um, for the year here. Uh, We're going to be getting back into the Godzilla series, some more Gamera. We've got more uh, comic books uh, set up. And uh, this summer, assuming everything stays the way it is now, we are going to be on the road to Godzilla versus Kong. Uh, But we will will get into that, as I said, over the summer and into the fall. So, um, Jay, any last words? No, thanks, folks, for downloads and listens, and uh, you know, and supporting uh, Instruction Directive. This is literally, I this is a day it comes out. I always listen to this. I love hearing what Luke's talking about because uh, he talks about stuff that, like, even though they're movies I may have seen, I he's always got information and stuff for me that I've like, oh, that's I didn't know that, you know, kind of thing. So I feel like I get okay. educated. So. Yeah, well, we do we do try to be a well-researched fan show, is what I always say. So not 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 some Mark show like like some other guys out there, like those guys over on the vault. Bunch of marks, those guys are. Yeah, but, bunch um, of marks on the vault. <laughs> Chris is, I'm talking to you. Yeah, right at you. Shots fired. But anyway, <laughs> well, before before we started Demonzo's Civil War, I better sign off. So thank you again, everyone, for downloading and listening. Please come back. 
for My Home is Earth. And until next time, keep them stomping. This has been Earth Destruction Directive, a Dai Kaiju podcast, produced and created by me, Luke Giaconetti, as part of the Two True Freaks Internet Radio Network, available at twotruefreaks.com. This is a fan work celebrating the history and culture of Japanese giant monsters. All movies, TV shows, comic books, characters, and other intellectual property is copyright their respective copyright holders, and no infringement is intended or implied. If you'd like to send an email to the show, you can email me at earthdestructiondirective at yahoo.com. I respond to all emails, and if you send in some comments, I'll read them on the show. All episodes of Earth Destruction Directive can be found at twotruefreaks.com. You can also find the show on iTunes. Just search for Earth Destruction Directive. You can even leave an iTunes review if you want. You can get in touch with the show on Facebook. Just search for Earth Destruction as the first name and Directive as the last name. You can also get in touch with me on Twitter with the handle LJacone. That's L-J-A-C-O-N-E. And if you want to buy something discussed on the show, head on over to twotruefreaks.com and click on the Amazon.com link on the front page. Any items you buy during your session on Amazon.com will help keep the lights on, and it won't cost you anything extra. Thanks for listening, and be sure to come back next time for more city-stomping fun on Earth Destruction Directive. Tune in next time to hear the crusty old podcaster from Oklahoma say, There's a WTF (laughs) moment if I ever saw one. Well, it's big and terrible. More frightening than I ever thought possible.